Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. Well, I want to let you guys know something as we get into this this morning. I, uh, I could not figure out what it is you talk about on your last Sunday. I, uh, I've loved this church from the get. I've loved being a part of this church from the beginning. And, uh, and I was just processing and praying, like, man, how do you do this thing? Like, how do you land? Because I feel like in the church, normally what we would do, the gifting that we would fall under, is that I'll pick a text or a scripture, or we'll pick a sermon series, and, and what we'll do is we will teach through the text, or we'll teach through the series, and, and that gives you the, the, everything you need. It gives you the context of a sermon. And so I was like, all right, y'all, last Sunday, get to say bye to all my friends. Like, like what am I going to preach on on that day? And I realized very quickly that this is impossible, that it is impossible to land on something you want to leave people with, right? Like, it's impossible. How do you, how do you take everything God's done in this place because you've done a lot? How do you take everything that's happened in this room because so many things have happened? And then how do you look at the Scripture and how much is in the Bible and make some sort of decision on what to say to the people you really love before you walk away into a new season of crazy? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. And so I just started processing and praying. What is it that if I could have one thing for our people, if I could have one thing for our people, what would it be? Before we get into that message this morning, I want to let you guys know something. I love this church. And uh, come on, yeah, it's a pretty awesome church, am I right? Like, it's pretty cool. Uh, I love this church. If you weren't here and got to hear us share the story of why God has called us to a new season, I just got to let you know something, man. There is no world... There is no way, there, there's no reason I would ever take on a new plan or a new church outside of God saying it to be so. There is no place that my family and I would ever, ever walk away from what God is doing in this building unless God himself said you must go. And so if you heard us share the story, we, we just are convinced at this point uh, through, through our relationships, we are convinced through God's word, we're convinced through prayer and some really crazy miracles that God has done in this church to say, listen, it's time. I need you to go. And so we go with a heavy heart. Uh, we go a little concerned because we do. We love this church to death. Uh, I love what we've built in this gym. We had a guy praying for us the other night. He said, it's amazing that you can turn a gym into a church. I said, it is amazing what God can do when his people get together. And so I love this church. I love what we stand for. I love the mission to love God, love people, and prove it. I love all of you in this room. Some of you, I don't know at all. Maybe I'll learn to love you, but I, I think I just don't know you. Everyone I do know in this room, I love you to death. Love you to death. And here's the thing. I love those of you in the room who think you're perfect and those of you in the room who know you're not. I love those of you in the room who win great battles against sin and flesh. And I love those of you who have lost great battles against sin and flesh. I love the gospel. I love that Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. 
I love that Jesus did not come to affirm the religious elite, but rather Jesus came to bridge the gap between God and the already convicted. And I love this. Listen to this. I love that the gospel does not place a burden on you. Rather, it frees you from your burdens. We live in a world where the gospel often places burdens on people. And we would call that legalism. But I love that the gospel, when you look at the story of Jesus and what he did for you and me, the gospel frees all of us from our burdens. I love that the gospel is not good advice. Rather, it's good news. Advice is different. You see, good advice is counsel that you might receive in order to accomplish something. The gospel is not good advice. News is different. News is a report of something that has already happened in history and figure out how to respond to it. The gospel is not good advice. It is good news. And the distinction matters. I remember on 9-11, September 11, 2001, most of us remember where we were that morning. I was sitting in my living room. My mom was sipping on some coffee. I was still in some pajamas because homeschool life is pretty awesome. And uh, you know what I'm saying. I got to watch the news on whichever channel I want. It didn't have to crowd in some little classroom when you're rolling TV. No, I was at home. And, uh, and I'm sitting at home. And we remember where we were. I, if you were alive and old enough to have memory from 2001, I, I'm willing to bet if just me saying 9-11, you know exactly where you were sitting. And for many of us, we did not get advice about 9-11 that day. No, we got news. Why? Because it was news. It had already happened. It was happening. No one came and said, all right, Jared, trade center hit the, the plane hit the trade center. Let me, let me sit here and talk to you about how they did it. Let me give you some advice if you were to ever do it. That's not what was going on. If you, if you wanted to do this too, here, no, it was news. There is a difference between advice and news, but for many of us, we have turned the gospel into advice and forgotten that it's just news. It is something that's already happened in history, and we all, for the church, must decide what do we do with that? What do we do with the news of the gospel? The gospel is not self help advice, it is really great news. That's already happened. And so my aim today, I told you earlier, I was praying, what is it that I would hope to leave? What is it that I would hope that we could all collectively as a church understand before Emily and I take on this new task in a new season in a new church? And I think where I landed is that we would be a church, that we would be a people who know the gospel and that the gospel would set you free. That we would collectively be a church who knows the gospel and that that gospel would set us free. And so for those of you in the room who already know the Lord, let me remind you of the gospel this morning. For those of you in the room who are questioning if God is real and if the Bible is true, I want to remind you of the good news this morning. For those of you who've never understood it, you've heard the pieces of it, I hope by the end of this message, you'll understand a piece of the story of God. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into it, y'all. Let's pray. God, we need your help this morning, and we can God, I am not a good enough speaker to make clear what you've done in history. And God, we do not have the time to make the argument for how good and real that you are. And so, God, this morning, what I'm asking 
is that by your spirit, when we read your word, that you would not let it return void, but God, that it would take root in our heart, that it would convict us. God, where we have unbelief, would you give us faith? And would you move in this room through your word? Help us to get it. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say it. No, everybody say it. Look, I got, I got my teens helping me out, and then I got some of y'all in the back here like, amen. And everybody in the room said, amen. Amen. Hey, hey, listen, I remember the first sermon I ever preached in this church. I remember it well. It was summer of 2011, and I was a young buck and just trying this thing out and uh, thought I was called to ministry, but I had figured in 2011 that I would do a summer Bible study and help out for a minute. Then I'm going to go figure out what God wants me to do, right? And, uh, and I thought I'd be here for like, you know, a year, maybe two, and then I'll go figure out my, my life plan, right? Help Dad get this thing going, then I'm going to go check it all out. But I remember this first message I preached because I was coming in hot, right? And I was really wanting to make an impact, and I remember I was pumped. I came in this gym, and it was just packed. I mean, it was, we, we had a full 55 people in the room that day, and that was, that was like, oh my goodness, look at the Lord. Look what he did. And I was on the floor because we didn't know how to use the stage back then because we didn't need it. And so I was, I was right here on this floor, and I was looking at the little 55. We, had to get, we only set up 50 chairs at the time. We had to get more chairs out that day. It was a big deal. Uh, the next day, it was exciting because the next morning, I was going to take our teenagers to camp for the first time, all eight of them. And we were about to just go hit camp strong, and it was going to be the best thing ever. And so I was just feeling it, and I was in the Lord. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to preach a sermon that's going to like right in our heart. Like we're really, if there's a Christian in the room, man, they're about to wake up. So, uh, so I, I, I get this, this text and I preach on Romans nine. And this is still, if you have a question about me, my favorite text in all of the scripture is Romans nine, right in the beginning, because Paul starts, starts off and he just says, Hey, listen, I bear the truth in Christ. I promise you, I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy spirit. And so anytime you see a dude in the scripture go, Hey, you're going to think I'm lying, but I promise you by the Holy spirit of God, I am not lying to you. Anytime you see a dude start off that way, you should probably listen because he's like, you don't think I'm telling a joke. You're going to think I'm not serious, but I'm serious. So I start preaching on Romans nine. I'm like, all right, what, what did he say? And he starts off saying this. He goes, I myself would give up. Well, he starts, he says, no, 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 no. He says this. He says, I am in constant sorrow and extreme anguish. That's where he starts. I'm like, okay. Paul, you, you wrote the book of joy. So that's why you think you're lying and probably why you're telling me you're not lying because you've been telling everybody to be joyful and suffering. You're the guy who said, I'm in prison, but I'm celebrating that because God wants me here. You're confused uh, or you got some sort of mental health issue. And, and he starts off and he says, no, 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 I'm in constant sorrow and extreme anguish. And then he says something crazier. He said, I could wish that I myself was cut off from Christ for the sake of those who don't know the gospel. To say that in our terms, he said, I would give up my own salvation, my own eternity with the Father, my own reward of heaven. I would give it up if it meant that everybody who didn't know the gospel knew it. And so the sermon I preached that morning, I was like, listen, we need to be a church who has that heart. We're a church who gets joy, and we get celebration, and we get what Jesus has done for us, but we also need to have a piece of us that says, I am, I'm just uneasy 
I drive down the interstate and it's full of traffic and I'm just wanting to cuss at the person in front of me. But instead, I realize that outside of the gospel, their destiny has no hope. And our hearts should break when we look at our friends and people in our life who don't know the Father, who don't understand the gospel. And I thought I killed it. I was like, nailed that sermon. We're all about to start doing this. And and many of us have, and it's been really awesome. Uh, But you know what I've realized as I've gotten older? Until I myself, as a believer, have a deep yet simple understanding of the gospel, I will never be able to move towards the burden of helping others understand the gospel. You cannot share something you have not received. You cannot preach something you don't believe. And until we as a Christian really honestly take a look at the gospel, the simplicity and bit, but also the complexity and depth, we ourselves will never move to be missional. Many of us, some in the room, but certainly in the South, many of us are overchurched and undergospeled. We know church. We know how to do church. I know how to show up wearing a thing and looking away and good morning, brother. Glad the Lord. Glad to see you. When's lunch? I'm like trying to get the Super Bowl today. Am I right? And uh, we know how to do church. We get it. But we are so over-churched that many of us are under-gospeled. And so my hope this morning, as I preach to you a text you've probably never heard, is that you would leave with a simple yet true understanding of the gospel. And so the deep text that I pulled from the back pits of the Bible that we often overlook is John 3.16 and 17. Don't leave that dude out. I was going to, oh, I forgot. We did make slides. Come on, give it up for your boy back there making slides. Yeah. Sweet. Amen. All right, read it with me. John 3, 16, 17. It says this, for God so loved the world. You can read it out loud. I didn't mean that, but thanks anyways. That he gave his one and only son, right? That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Listen to this part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So this morning, what I'm going to attempt to do for our sake is to break this scripture into three pieces, three parts. Part one is this. For God so loved the world. Part one we're going to talk about this morning is for God so loved the world. Jeremiah 31.3 talks about this love. It says, the Lord appeared to him from far away. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Psalms 86.15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalms 136, 26, give thanks to God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, the steadfast Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For God so loved the world. How many of you uh, have been in a whole group reading the word this week? Any of y'all been giving that a shot? Raise your hand. Say, it's me. Praise the Lord for you. 
Hey, listen, if you've been doing this with us every other Sunday night, if you don't know, we launched a new Hope Group model. And what we're doing every other Sunday night, we're just reading through the Scripture together, and then we're talking about it. We're doing Christian things with Christian people. It's pretty fun. And, uh, and so if you've been doing that with us, you've been in Genesis, right? You've been in this place where God shows up, and as a Christian, we are convinced that God is the creator. Now, a lot of us get messed up in how he created. I don't know how. I'm sure some pretty scientific things happened when God said, let, let there be light, and poof, light showed up. That's cool. But God, we believe God created all things, right? And so we're walking through the story, and when God created all things, he created created humanity, and he created in the image of himself. He made us in the image of God, and it is beautiful, and it is good, and we're like living large in the garden. Like, I don't, it would be cool to go there. I've had some gardens in my time, and it's awful, but like this garden is the kind that just keeps growing your food, and you're, you're good, and everything's right, and everything's as it needs to be. God provides everything. I mean, you got food to eat, water to drink. You got it all. You got nothing going, no care in the world. You're so not caring about the world, you don't even wear clothes. You got nothing wrong with you. It's all really good. By the way, I just want to point out, when you're with God, you don't have shame. That's why you don't have to wear clothes. Like, it's just nuts, right? When everything's good between you and the Lord, he just gets rid of shame. It doesn't even exist. And so we're in the garden, no shame, perfect as it can be. It's exactly what God made it to be. It is good, and we are in love with God the Father, our creator, who walks with us walks with us. Me and him, me and the Lord, with God, this love relationship. And what does he do? He says, listen, everything I've given for you, everything I've made for you, let me just show you how much I care about you. But there's this one thing, avoid it. Don't eat of that tree. Everything else is yours. God says, choose me instead. Choose me instead. And you know the story, we don't last too long. What do Adam and Eve do? They choose sin. We choose rebellion against the good God. We choose rebellion against the God who loves us. And, and many of us are like, man, we're really hating on Adam and Eve. Like, I can't believe they screwed it up for me. Bro, who taught you to lie? Since you can remember, you figured that one out on your own. You would have done the same, most likely. You see, we have this thing in us in humanity from the moment of our first sin. From the moment that we chose sin over God, sin screwed us in such a way that it infected us and affected us. Everybody say infected. I say affected. Sin infects and affects, meaning somehow it gets, gets deep in me. It gets so deep in me that I can't seem to shake it. But it also affects me and everybody around me. My sin is not only something that affects me, it affects people you're close to. Whoever's in your boat is affected by your sin. And we're in this moment where our people, humanity, has made the decision to choose rebellion and sin over God the Father and his love. God is in a bit of a predicament. You see, because God only does two things with sin. He kills it or he bans it from his presence. God will not allow sin near him. And so now, what is a loving God who cares about his people to do? That our good God in heaven, who wants to know us, wants to be in right relationship with us, what is he to do when the people he loves is now full of the one thing he hates? If I'm God in this moment, I make the easy decision Kill people. Be done with it. <laughs> and listen, 
It's right of God to hate sin. Let me explain this puzzle, this little piece. It is right and good of God to hate sin. Because it is sin that destroys all that's good. Think about it. Many people pose this question, especially in student ministry. If God's so good, why is the world so screwed up? Because of us. I pose this question. If there was no humans on planet Earth, no humanity, get rid of us, is it still broken? No. It's good. All of nature, the ground, the rocks, the water, they just seem to follow the voice of the Lord, and it makes sense. The problem with the world is not God doing something. It's us doing things. We created hate. We created racism. We created violence. We created war. We invented pride and selfishness. We're the ones who broke our families. We're the ones who invented sex trafficking. We're the ones who invented all these evils because of our sin. And so it is right of God to hate sin. It is also right of God to not allow anybody full of sin into heaven. Why? It's not screwed up yet. He saw what we did here. You see, he says heaven is perfect, a place of no tears, no shame. See, heaven's good. Heaven's the presence of the Lord. The people in heaven, we can be with God again. And it is right of God to not allow the thing that destroys all things good into a place that has no evil. And so what is God to do with humanity? Really, the only problem is that God deeply and passionately loves people. And so God, in his grace, invents something pretty amazing. You see, sin always owes something. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, meaning the thing that sin earns is death. And so God says this. He says, hey, I still, in order to be right with you, I still need to kill your sin. I got to. It cannot be near me. If you and I are going to be okay, I've got to kill your sin, but I don't want to kill you. And so God, in love and grace and mercy, he makes a series of promises to us in the Old Testament in order for us to stay right with him. Everybody say promises. God makes a series of promises with you and me so that we can keep being good. And it starts with this thing called the sacrificial system. And the basic premise is this. God looks at his people. He says, if you want to be right with me and I need to kill your sin, he says, what I'm going to have you do is to every year take a pure animal, something good. It was usually a lamb. He says, take an animal, confess your sin onto that animal. In other words, place the sin you committed onto this animal and then kill it. And then I have killed your sin, but not killed you. And that's grace. That God has to deal with our sin problem, but still gets to love us. And for thousands of years, what do we do? We screw it up. Now you're like, dang, son, I thought I was going to come here a motivational message today. 
gospel is not advice, it's news. I'm giving you news of what happened. We screwed it up for thousands of years, over and over. In fact, so many times that God kept coming back, okay, okay, let, let me add to it. You, you've been getting this thing wrong, so let me, let me add to this thing. Here's some more things, right? Do this, do this. Okay, okay, well, now you, you started sitting this way, so, so now here's the Ten Commandments. Keep these, keep doing the sacrifices, we'll be good. Oh, no, now we've got to make a sacrifice for this new type of sin. Okay, now do this, build this altar, sacrifice it, then we'll be good. And, and literally, we are turning temples into slaughterhouses because our sin is so incredibly great that we cannot keep up. We continue to rebel against God, and God keeps inventing new ways, just begging that his people would be right with him. Would we just hear him out? Would we just listen? Would we just understand what God wants for us so we can be good with him again? And over and over and over, we rebel, we reject, we run away. And God seeks us, the character of God seeking out and saving the lost all through the Old Testament. And we get to this crazy point. Where God has a new idea. It's been the same idea the whole time. But God knows there's a right point in history where he can show up and show off and redeem his people. God, in his love, creates a new way for humanity to still know him and be right with him, which is part two of the text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, I need you to be awake for part two. So if you can hear me, clap once, clap twice, say what? what? Part two. For God so loved the world that he gave his one, his only son. Why in the world is God making a plan to send Jesus? See, that's the biggest question that most of us have who don't understand the gospel, who don't understand the history of God's word. We're like, dude, Jesus is cool. Thanks for showing up and dying for me. I heard it on Easter one time at church, but I don't get it. I don't know why he did it. Why is Jesus coming down? Well, let me just help you answer that question a little bit. When we kept on screwing it up for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it wasn't that many thousands, but it was a lot. Like, we just kept screwing it up. God finally says, I'm making a new promise to my people. The old promises you continue to reject. The old promises you continue to mess up. The old way, you're killing all these animals, you're doing all these things, and you're messing it up over and over. And you won't just, God says, I'm going to make a new way, a new sacrifice, a new way for you to be right with God. And so God flips the script on us. Instead of you and me going and making sacrifices to please him, God says, I'm going to come. I'm going to make a sacrifice that will save you. He changes it. Same system, new person. Anybody ever seen the Hunger Games? Yeah, my people. If you're a Hunger Games person who actually read the book, say, I read them. If you watch the movies and think they're awesome, say, I watch the movies. Yeah, me too. It was pretty good. You know that moment when Katniss Everdeen, like her sister gets called to have to go to the Hunger Games? What's her sister's name? Pim? Prim. Prim. Yeah, Prim's there like, oh, the little girl. You know it means certain death for her, but it's her name they called. Prim's the one. She's got to go. She's the one who got called. And then this really awesome moment happens when Katniss is like, she's like in the background. You don't even know where she's at. And she's like, I volunteer as tribute. You know, you do this thing. And uh, yeah, am I right? But, but there's this moment, right, where she just like, she's like, 
She sees what's about to happen to somebody she loves. It means certain death. So, so almost impulsively, if not with, with certain passion and love, she just belts out, I will volunteer as tribute. I will go in her place. And if you've seen the movie, you know how awesome this moment is where this sister steps in and takes it on, even though it wasn't her name called. This is Jesus. Our sin is so great. God's heart is so broken almost just full of emotion, full of love. God says, wait, 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 wait. Let me send my son. Let him go in their place. He sees the destruction as it heads towards us, and God steps in. He says, no, 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 let me put my son there. Let me send him to deal with this, and Jesus does things for you and me. The first one is he shows you and I how to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to God. It's amazing. The second is he goes and dies for you. And I want to make this make sense. He is our sacrifice for our sin. John 1, or 1 John 2, 2, he says, he, talking about Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for my sin. He's our lamb. He's our holy, pure animal. It says, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of humanity, for the whole world. What I used to do with animals, confessing my sin, and killing them, God says, no, 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 no more of that. It's Jesus. I'm going to send Jesus to be that. First Peter 2, 24, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we are healed. So what happens? You see, God has a twist on it, right? I can only confess the sins of my past onto an animal because that's all I know. God knows the past, present, and future. So what does God do? He's amazing. He puts Jesus on the cross, and he places the sin, past, present, future, that will ever be committed by any human, all of humanity, on Jesus. The weight of sin on Jesus on the cross. In the same way I used to confess my sins on an animal, God places the sin of humanity on Jesus. And then he does something just ridiculous. There's this moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's in pain and he's certainly hurting. And we see Jesus just call out to the Father. He says, God, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I don't know about you, man, but if like my little girl's in some trouble, the moment I hear Shiloh scream, Daddy, I'm running in. And with every resource I got, you better believe I'm saving that girl. And I'm thinking, all right, God, when Jesus says, here, here I am, God, here I am. Into your hands I give my spirit. Do with me what you want. I'm thinking God's about to like show up from heaven, legions of angels. Let's get my boy off that thing. Let's, let's get him. And that's not what happens. God says, here I am, God. He, Father, here I am. And then Jesus dies. God took the life of Jesus. Many of us think it's the Jews who killed Jesus. They don't have that power. This is Jesus we're talking about. He rose people from the dead. When Jesus gave his life and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, what does God do? He takes Jesus' life, and he sacrifices it. He confesses the sin of humanity onto Jesus, the same way we had for thousands of years with animals. But this time, he didn't just know your past sin. He knows all the sin forever, confesses it on Jesus, and takes his life. But praise the Lord, it didn't stop there. Jesus, in his strength, being the son of God, 
raises from the dead. And Easter happens. You think there's a reason the church celebrates Easter so hard? It's because this happened. (laughs) Jesus literally comes back to life. Like he can't stay dead. And this really messes up the whole system. We ain't never had a lamb pop back up to life after we killed it for our sin. That just never, never, never happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus is alive. We're like, what is this? What is going on? And for 40 days, Jesus walks with us. He's like, hey, I got a new promise. And that makes sense to them because Old Testament, we had all these promises from God. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Let's just make one new one. One new promise for all of us to be good. This is the point of the gospel. Part number three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. First John 1 John 1.29, the next day, this is how Jesus rose up from the grave. He saw Jesus coming toward him. I'm sorry, before that, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You can't make it right anymore with your animals. You can't make it right anymore by trying to fulfill the law. You can't do this on your own. You come through me now. I'm the new promise. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, here's how. You want to know how to do it? You want to know how to be right with God again? You want to be a church who understands the gospel The new promise of God, here it is, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, used to over an animal, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteous. You see, Jesus is the new promise, is the new way for you and me to be right with God again. And here's what's amazing. He forgives your sin once and for all. The ones you committed yesterday, the one you're going to commit today at lunch when you get mad at your server, and the one you're going to commit tomorrow. He has forgiven your sin for all who call on his name. He is faithful and just and right to forgive you. That's the gospel. You see, the gospel news, the news of what's already happened, does not place a burden on you. I'm not giving you rules. It is news that frees you from burdens. Why? Because you can't make the gospel better. There is no world where you can be good enough to do better than Jesus did. It's already forgiven. It's already dealt with. It's already covered. You're already taken care of. And Jesus says, all you got to do now, call on my name and I will forgive. First, or John 16, 33 I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, not burden, peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. This is Jesus talking. He says, in this world, you are going to have problems. But take heart. I overcame the world. Acts twenty two sixteen. and now, why do you wait? Rise, be baptized, wash away your sins, call on his name. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. You see, the beauty of being right with God again is the gift of heaven. Man, apart from the gospel, I am destined 
for eternity apart from God. I just couldn't do it. I'm not good enough. You aren't either. I am not good enough to be good with God. Send yesterday. I'll send today. And I will tomorrow. But here's the gift. When Jesus hung on a cross, God knew that I sinned yesterday. He knew my sin I'm going to do today that I don't even know yet. And he knows the sin I'm going to do tomorrow. And Jesus on the cross bore that sin already. Already did it. And my role, the only role I play in this faith journey of understanding the gospel is saying, God, here I am. I messed up. I'm the one who needs saving. I'm confessing to you my problems. Save me. And that is the news. That is the story of the gospel. And when you hear the news of what's happened in the scripture, you now get to decide what to do with it. It is your choice to receive the gospel and be different. And if you feel the Lord calling you to do that, I would advise you to do that. But you also have the opportunity to do what we've done for thousands of years, to reject God, to run from God, to choose sin over God. And you have that opportunity. We did it forever. God knew he had to make a new promise with us to make this thing work. But today I would encourage you, when you hear the news of the gospel, do you believe it? Man, do you believe Jesus did that? Do you really believe he showed up on earth and he lived a perfect life and then he died and was buried and then raised from the grave? And right now, do you believe he's in heaven sitting on the throne, king of kings, ruling over all of us? If you believe that, confess your sin to him and be saved. Watch him change you. Watch him take your life and make it new. Baptism is the picture, but our life is the example. Watch what God can do in you when you believe. We're going to sing Charles Wesley right after he figured out the gospel and actually began to understand it. There was this moment where he had breakthrough and began to understand the gospel in a new way. And right after that moment, he wrote a hymn. And there's a verse in that hymn and it says this. It says, my chains fell off. My heart was free, so I rose and went forth and followed thee. When you hear the gospel, does it free you? It's just good news. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. God, we thank you for this church and this morning. God, I thank you so much that you gave me an incredible family and that for the last nine years, I've got to do church with some of the best people. And so, God, I thank you for filling me with strength. And God, if anything that was said this morning was true, God, I pray that by your spirit that you would engrave it on heart and do not let us forget. Do not let us walk away from your truth. Do not let us leave the good news. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody in the room said. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.